Bienvenue, Konnichiwa, Nihao, Jambo, Marhaba. It's time for another Amish Inquisition. Yet again, episode 236 on Sunday, the 19th of June, 2022. I'm Amish Phil. I'm Amish Ben. And I'm Amish Matt. And tonight we've got Alex Mitchell with us. How are we doing, Alex? I'm fine, gentlemen. How are you? Very good, thank you. Been enjoying Father's Day today, haven't we? I have, yeah. I've tried ways. to spend as little time as possible with my sons today <laughs> as my treat. <laughs> I remember you saying once, Matt, that you said that your mother, your your wife's idea of Mother's Day was doing as little mothering as possible. <laughs> yeah, and mine is doing as little fathering. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you had a good uh, Father's? No, it's good, isn't it? Have you had a good uh, Father's yeah. Day, Alex? I have a really good Father's Day. Um, I hadn't seen my youngest daughter, who's 21, for about a week. Um, and before that, it was about three weeks because she's at university away from home. But now she's home. So I got to see her today. She's actually lying out in the living room, sound asleep. Obviously, all that energy tires them out. But what's wrong with young people that all sleep all the time? <laughs> I have no idea. What are they doing? <laughs> Running about, right? Running about, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, Alex, um, there's a reason that we're, we're talking to you today, and that's because you have quite a unique story regarding what's happened to you over the last over 12 months now. And um, I've been seeing you, yeah, I heard you on the Delian Pod podcast and you, you've done some other bits and bats. You've been on GB News as well, I think? Yes, uh, GB News. I've also been on Infowars. I've been on the Sonia Pilton Show on Brand YouTube. Um, I have about five articles, uh, two, three, four are out in print and I think there's one more to come out. Wow. So, I mean, what, what's a, a scaffolder doing on InfoWars, Alex? Yeah, that's what I thought as well. How the <laughs> hell did I end up here? Yeah. Um, I've asked myself that question quite a lot over the last year and a bit. You know, uh, it's, been a, it's been a year that you couldn't imagine. There's nothing that could have pointed towards it. Nothing could have prepared you for it. One minute you're there, the next minute you're not. In many ways, um, yeah. So it's been a journey and a half over the last year and a bit. Do you want to, um, for people who aren't familiar who, who or who don't follow you on Twitter, do you want to run us through sort of the, the bones of what happened? Sure. Um, I'll go from on Saturday the 20th of March 2021, I went to my first AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, my name's Alex Mitchell. I'm a 57-year-old scaffolder from Glasgow, Scotland. 
Um, everything was fine. I was told verbally I would have a sore arm uh, at the site area and possibly flu-like symptoms for 40 hours. I was verbally went home. Everything was fine till the 1st of April when experienced some really, I thought I pulled my calf muscles at work. Labour through on the Friday because it was a half day, but by half ten I couldn't get ten yards without cramping up. The Saturday, the 3rd of April was my daughter's birthday and I took my phone down and said, well, I'm not feeling too good. This is real bad. Uh, if I'm not any better tomorrow, I'm going to hospital. Sunday, the 4th of April, I felt as if I'd run a marathon, but that's fine. There was a scaffolder, so my body was used to that kind of feeling. And I got myself ready, went upstairs, ironed some clothes, and my wife was downstairs in the kitchen. And I unplugged the iron and turned down and collapsed. And I knew that as soon as I went down, something serious was wrong. As I say, unfortunately, my wife was downstairs in the kitchen with the door closed, so I had to pull myself down the stairs, head first backwards. Made a bit of a bit of noise, as you can imagine. My wife came running out, and I said, I don't know what made me stay calm. Something's told me to stay calm. And I said to my wife, do two things. Phone an ambulance and get me a bell. Because at that point, I could feel something in my left calf. Still hadn't put anything together. Didn't know what it was. Um... That's basically the last I really remember till I've come to. Um, I'm in a hospital, I'm in a room, and there's a lady in front of me. And she says, we need to go for a CT scan, and I need your permission. I gave her permission, and the CT scan was still spinning, and the same lady standing beside me. All head to tone scrubs, all I could see was her eyes. And she says, we need to go to theatre, we need to go now. And I said, am I in trouble? She went, yes, you're in trouble. And I said, what kind of trouble? She said, the worst kind. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God. Um, she said, this time is of the essence. Uh, she gave me a phone. Or she gave me my phone and allowed me to call my wife and my two daughters to say goodbye. I take uh, it, I think it you, your family weren't allowed in? No. Uh, they were in a... They were brought up and taken into a separate room. I didn't know this. Um, around about five minutes after I had been informed of what the situation that I was going into theatre, um, they took my wife and my two daughters into a room and said to them that they had no hope. They'd never seen anything like this. If I did survive and it was a big if, it would be from the waist up because they just didn't know what they were dealing with. Uh, she took me into theatre and I spent seven and a half hours in surgery having clots removed from my lower abdomen, my right leg and my left leg. I've come round and I'm in the same room and the same lady standing and she said, do you know who you are and do you know where you are? And she went, yes, I know who I am, gave me my name. And I said, I'm in a hospital but I don't know which hospital and she told me which hospital. And she explained, you know, you're a very, very fat, healthy man. Um, we've spent seven and a half hours removing clots from your... I'm still groggy, so all I've heard is my left leg. But she'd said, my lower abdomen, my right leg. And I said, clots? How many clots? What do you mean clots? And she said, you numerous blood clots. And I said, numerous? How many is numerous? And she said, multiple. 
and I'm still really confused. And I'm, oh, I said, hold on, multiple clots in my leg? And she said, yeah. I said, how many? She said, we stopped counting. They were in your abdomen, your right leg and your left leg. And unfortunately, we don't think we can save your left leg. Um, I asked for five minutes to take that information in. You don't take it in, is the honest answer, because there's 3,000 thoughts an hour, thoughts a second get through your head. You know, you, you just don't know what you're facing. Your head's all over the place. Um, and she come back in, and I asked her if there was any chance of it being on above the knee, uh, below the knee. And she said, why is that important to you? I said, well, as a scaffolder, it makes a massive difference to what I can do in life. And she went away and she brought in another vascular surgeon, as it turns out, who is my Doc Brown from Back to the Future. <laughs> he, he looks like Doc Brown, other than his hair's grey and black. He's of, I think he's of Swiss, French descent. Um, he's got the big glasses, the wild hair. But he's the loveliest man in the world. He really is. What a caring individual. They brought this man in and he asked me why it was important to me. And I have said this before, my wife's heard this, so I can take the doing. I know I'm going to get for it. That the first thing I asked was, would the weight of a would a prosthetic leg hold the weight of a classic Vespa scooter? <laughs> I'm an uh, that's that's my two daughters' life. I'm an old mod. I always have been a mod. You flashed a picture up there on yeah. my, my beloved. Uh, she's now with a new lover. <laughs> as much as I did, um, that's a story I'll come back to. And he really hadn't a clue what I was talking about. And I said, mod, you know, 60s, you know, and he just... So to get my phone... And I had to bring up kind of mod culture and so on my Facebook and things like that. And, my, and he got it. He said, I don't know, you know, but he says, you know, I, I don't know if a prosthetic leg will told that, but I'll ask a question. And, and that's when I said to him, you know, what's the chances of it being, you know, what's the hopes? And he said, you know, there's always hope. And I said, well, can I take it? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you said, you know, there's a chance of it being a below the knee. Give me the time. And he said, OK. And he closed the door. And he told me everything I was going to experience, everything I was going to see, everything I was going to feel. And he didn't paint a pretty picture. And he didn't lie. I spent a week in isolation um, I now realise that that week wasn't given to me because I asked for it. That week was given to me because I just spent seven and a half hours of surgery that I shouldn't have survived. Because I should, you, you, in real terms, you're talking to a dead man in many ways. Um, so they couldn't believe that I actually survived. Uh, as I say, so you spend a week thinking that you've got a week, but you're not. It's just actually to try and give your body a bit of strength to go through the next operation which was discussed at length. They told me if it was a below the knee, it would be two and a half hours because there's more veins down that area. Right. And if it was an above the knee, it'd be an hour and a half to two hours. Um, 
on the Friday, I was scheduled to go for surgery. There was a a temperature or an issue with my my temperature, so they decided not not to go ahead. On the Saturday, the morphine at that point, I probably used three quarters of to close to a litre of morphine in the, the days I was on it. Uh, at that point, sorry, six days, because it was another couple of days after the amputation where I ended up with a litre and a half of morphine in eight days. Um, so as I say, the Saturday, the morphine's not working anymore. doesn't matter how much dose she's given me. And at this point, in account, my pain levels between 10 and 20 as opposed to 1 in 10. And I'm hitting 18. And if I'm honest, it's the closest I've ever came to losing my sanity. I never thought you could experience constant pain like that. Um, there is no words to describe it. Uh, there is no there's no emotion that can explain that horror of pain. Um, uh, so they decided to do a thing called a nerve inhibitor, which I'd never heard of. It was they brought an ethicist in explained that he had performed this procedure and effectively what they do is they they actually freeze the nerve uh, by going in through the skin uh, and putting it's like a small needle very very fine needle with a small cable attached to it that lets fluid drop into the, the vein uh, the, the nerve vein and it, it basically numbs it down um, and I said well yeah let's do it he said, well, none of my students have seen it. Would you mind them watching? God. And I said, you know what you do? Yeah, no bother. And then he explained how he was going to do it. Um, he said, I'm going to go in through your butter. And I said, you're going to do what? <laughs> he says, we're going to go in through your butter. And I went, right, OK. And at that, the door opened. My bed got pushed against the wall. The curtains were drawn. And anywhere between 17 and 20 people. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and a TV screen. I kid you not. Not dissimilar to that one behind me. Did they live stream it? Yeah. What they do is they do it through ultrasound. Right. So they've got the ultrasound on this, you know, these 15, 20 people behind me, I'm, I'm on my side with my ass in the air. They can see everything that God gave me. And my ass is on the screen but it's on through the, the ultrasound and you just see a very thin line he said can you see it yeah he said and then he points to this little spot he said that little cluster there's where I'm going and when he gets to it he touches it and it's like the old electric pulse lighters that used to break apart and give each other shocks with yeah yeah one of them <laughs> right on the nerve on the road and a jump and he drew back and whatever he did next he said where's your pain level and I said five Wow. And two minutes later, he said, where are you now? And I went zero. Nice. Wow. Never, it was, oh, it was incredible. And it's basically it's like a little thin, thin, thin cable attached to my vas, a, a flask mm-hmm. of fluid, and that constantly drops it in. That worked for about six, seven hours. Um, and my pain levels were starting to go through the roof again. Um, and they decided to bring forward the surgery. And just as about to go into taking him from my, my room to the sub to the theatre, the anaesthetist came in and said, 
we can't. There's an anomaly in his blood. He'd taken a vial of blood and tested it. And thank the Lord they had, because uh, if he hadn't, I, I wouldn't be here. There was, so they to scrap eight pints of blood and manufacture eight pints of new blood. I didn't know they could do this wow. with this missing anomaly or whatever it was that was in my blood. Um, and it off I went. Uh, I did say before they took me to theatre, and this was the height of COVID, bearing in mind I've now spent a full week in isolation, not really able to talk to face-to-face with my wife, my daughters, anybody, uh, just to tell them sort of where I am. And I mean that in my head, and you know, because it's still not a given them coming out this. Uh, and I said, look, with all due respect, I've said goodbye to my family once in a telephone. I'm not doing it again. So you can either stop where we are or you somehow work out some way for me to say goodbye to my wife and two kids. And at the height of COVID, they managed to pull something off where my wife and two daughters appeared at a doorway. And I got to say what I had to say. Um, and away I went. Uh, and I've come round. It's actually the theatre doors hitting the bed as the bed's getting out of it. It's, that's actually what's woke me up. I'm coming out of third to do it. And I've instantly, first thing I've done is lifted the, the blanket and looked down and it's an above the knee. And I've been honest about this before. That was the lowest, most crushing, devastating moment of, that I could ever think of because I'd pinned everything beyond this and above the knee. Mm. Uh, sorry, below the knee. Uh, something, I don't know what it was. I've looked at my watch and I'm saying, hold on, there's five and a half hours gone here. Oh. Something went wrong. Something's not right. And about five minutes later, the surgeon, my Doc Brown, came in and he was absolutely devastated, the man. I am so, so sorry. And I said, hold on, you told me the longest I would be in there is two and a half hours. There's two hours at least I'm missing. Something went wrong. So obviously you've got something to tell me. And he sat down and explained basically that every single, even the smallest arterial vein that he was touching was actually collapsing. And that where the amputation ended up being was a big risk in itself. Thankfully, it seems to have paid off. Um, I don't have any problems with that. And I said to him, no, I've thought about this long and hard. I know I've done everything I can to save my leg. I certainly know you've done everything you can to save your leg. And it's kind of part of the philosophy my mother brought up with, you know, I can't change it. Nothing's going to put it back now. Nothing's going to go and get me a leg and bring it back. I've got to move on. I've got to try and think what, you know, move forward. I've always been a very positive person. And he he's such a lovely man. I've actually met him in a car park in a hospital. I was coming out of a, an outpatient's appointment one of my regulars, and he was walking the car park. And I said, hi, yeah. Oh, hi, yeah. Uh, I don't do accents, so you're going to get Glasgow all the way through this. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm just finishing my lunch. I said, oh, you're just going for a stroll? He said, no, I'm wondering about the car park. I've got two cases this afternoon that are very, very difficult, and I'm trying to think the best ways to help these people. That is what I call dedication. Um, a week later, 
I left hospital. I was home within eight days of being amputated um, because the day, eight hours after being amputated, less than 12 hours, I was in a gym in parallel bars showing that I could stand, that I could move, I could bear my weight. I've been taught how to go into a wheelchair, how to come out of bed and things like that. And they said, you know, this is a can up to three months, you could be in hospital and it could be up to a year before you walk. Now, I don't normally, I try not to swear, so I'm not, because I've done enough a lot of it recently. And my answer was, no, that doesn't work for me. If that's your rule book, take it throughout the window. You tell me what I need to do to show you that I need out of this hospital. And they gave me a list of things to do, and I done them. So... Eight days after being amputated, I was back home. Wow. And that started the recovery of an incredible rate. Within three months, I was walking without sticks unaided. Um, I know I was doing fantastic. Um, unfortunately, I lost three and a half stone while I was in the hospital. Some of that's partly due to the weight of the leg, that's, to be fair, but... I was 13 stone, 12 and a half, 13 stone, less than 5% body fat. That's a lot of weight to lose when you don't carry any fat. Um, and what I didn't realise is that these prosthetic sockets are custom made. They're made to measure shoes or suits. You put weight on, they don't fit anymore. Um, and I was recast. That takes about two months. And the minute we put the new one on, it was a major problem pain was horrific and we thought it was a cast and so we decided to recast again and it wasn't it was a problem within some of the muscles at the amputation site we're now coming out of it so it was a nine months of absolute hell that's all I'm going to say because uh, when you're stuck in the house for 24 hours a day and you can't you can't put your prosthetic leg on because it doesn't fit and you do get it on its axle painful so you don't you end up sitting in a wheelchair and it gets to the point where your energy levels drop to such an extent even the thought of just getting ready to get your wheelchair out the front door to get into even go to the shop which is literally 100 yards away it can sometimes be a step too far uh, I've done that a couple of times I've went out and got some maybe a quarter of the way somewhere and had to come back home the condition that's been, that I have has been diagnosed as VIT or classified as VIT, that V-I-T-T, and that stands for vaccine-induced thrombiotic thrombothenia. What that means is that the vaccine has caused my platelets to drop, my D-dimer to be massively elevated, and an antibody, which is a negative antibody in your blood called negative PF4, so you've got your red blood cells, your white blood cells, plasma, hemoglobin, and you've got PF4, or negative PF4. That keeps your blood the level of thickness it is, so you don't clot, because clotting is natural. That's, that's what a bruise is. That's the body's way of stopping damage. The clot protects the area, and when the damage clears, the bruise disappears. That's the clot dissolving. That's normal. But bodies do that all the time. But the PF4 being positive just means that my blood automatically wants to clot. So if you take a pint of blood out of me, or half a pint, and put it and sit for half an hour, 45 minutes, it'll be like jam when you come by. 
So I'm now on blood thinners and another regime of medications to alleviate some of the problems that I face now. The VIT is a condition that's now verified, classified. Sadly, there's 438 VITs in the UK. Even more sadly, uh, tr- tragically, there's 78 of those are fatalities. Wow. Um, I know most of the partners, sons, daughters, wives, mothers, husbands, you know, it's, it's, these are the people that spur me on to do what I do because they don't have a voice anymore. And to be all perfectly honest with you, I should be with them. I should be w- with their voices. Mm. But I'm not, so I'm here for a reason. Is it for them? Possibly, because um, I take it really, really. It means a lot to me, actually. That's what gets me up in the morning to fight for them because they don't have a voice anymore. And as you can hear, I'm not quiet and fucking opening mine. I won't shut up. Um, and that's kind of where we are now. Right. We're still fighting to be medic. Some of the vets are fighting medical issues are just as bad as me right down to I've actually had a couple of vets are now classed as normal now they've got their blood changed it's been resolved uh, and they're back to normal which is absolutely incredible news for people myself because uh, I'm still 100 plus positive PF4 Right so that's how the diagnosis comes about is it by measuring that particular negative antibody Yeah So I mean Right, because I, I assumed that the, the VIT, like, resolved. Like, it did tra- give you a blood transfusion or something, and then it would resolve. But this is something, this is an ongoing thing. Yeah, it stays in the, 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 the PF4 stays positive. So I am on two forms of blood thinners. Wow. Um, and if I come off them, I have <clears throat> approximately three weeks. Um, to live? Yeah. Fuck. Right. But yeah. there are there are early signs of people getting like a, the all clear. There's man so far. There's at least two vets that are now classed as normal. <clears throat> Their PFOs back to normal. They've reduced the thinners, uh, so they're off everything. They're in no medication at all, and the blood's stable. That is absolutely fantastic news. Granted, they will freely admit that they presented late sooner than we did. And the symptoms were spotted sooner, so they knew kind of where to go and what to do with these people. So their damage was, well, still damage. It wasn't as significant as an amputation as, as a couple of them had. Um, yeah, it's a condition that keeps on giving. The glasses that I've got, uh, they're only about three months old, if they are that. I went for a standard eye test, and my optician said that the deterioration in my right eye is not natural because uh, it's pretty bad. Her theory is that in her professional experience that a microclot, microscopic clot has exploded in my eye, caused the damage and flushed out. Um, so I'm now waiting on a, a full medical scan on my eyes to ensure that there's no residual issues and to make sure that whatever damage is there doesn't get any worse. Yeah, it, 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 you could sit and look at it and go, fuck, what's the point going up in the morning? Um, that doesn't quite work for me, you know, my attitude as well. You tried to get me once, I'm still here. So. 
Yeah, so they've got a couple of them clear. My PF4 hadn't moved for eight months, and on Tuesday there, I had a conference call with my hematologist. I still have a conference call with them every three months, and my PF4 has finally moved. It's only moved by 0.005%, but it's moved uh, in, in the right direction. So After over a year? Up, yeah. Ha- yeah, it's not a lot. It's not a lot, but hey, I hadn't moved for nine months, so... But it seems, yeah, so- like, random. I mean, do they have they got, a, like, a handle on the mechanism? What's causing this? I mean, one of the things I've heard is that it could be... Um, accidental e- intravenous administration of the of the AZ. Well, yeah, there's a. You're talking aspiration. Yes. Right. I'll kind of get both arguments for that uh, and explain why I'm not in that ca- category. While they didn't aspirate, every medical journal that up until this happened recommended mm. any intravascular injection was done by aspirating to ensure that you didn't have a vein. For some reason, the UK government decided they weren't doing this. However, if they had had a vein, the reactions would have formed within 15 minutes to, to six days. If it's done properly and intravenous through the muscle, the reactions will take anywhere between 11 to 27, 28 days, it can take up to a month for the, for the reactions to present themselves. So in my case, it took more than two weeks to were quite certain that she had the, the, the deltoid muscle as, as proper. Those that maybe collapse very quickly to within six days, they have got a very strong argument to, to say that if you had aspirated, you would have saw that there would have been blood in the, the serum. Right. Yeah. Is that clear start? Yeah, I mean, there's been reports of people getting a metallic taste in the mouth immediately as it's as it's uh, been injected. And like Dr. John, John Campbell on YouTube says, who's been a nurse for 50 years, that's something that they used to warn patients about when they were having an intravenous medication, that it's into the blood and it's into your taste buds immediately. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. would make sense that, you know, if it's going into the deltoid, it's got to find its way out of there to the lymph nodes and everywhere else. Um, oh, it's amazing some of the stuff that they've learned. You know, um, it, initially, the, the in Norway, there were 13 to 16 cases that presented with symptoms which we now know as VIT. Um, sadly, they were all fatalities. Uh, and, and that's where they found out that, that heparin wasn't helping because heparin's a, a plus PF4. So, if normally if, if your D dimer is through the roof and your platelets are very low, your PF4 is normally very low because something's got to feed to feed the clots. So all all what's in that mechanism? Um, sorry, I forgot where I was going there. So what right. were we saying? No, it's interesting you brought up Norway because wasn't Norway the no, first? Norway, that's what- Sorry, Norway. Um, and they gave them heparin. And sadly, that's not putting petrol onto a, a fire. Oh, 
Um, and I was the first in the world to survive with the level of clots. And because they used steroids instead of heparin. Right. And well, that, sorry? That's like an immune suppressant, isn't it? Steroids? Yes. Uh, and that all came from hematology. The, uh, these bloods guys are absolutely incredible what they do. Some of the workarounds that they've come up with. Um, a lot of the other medication I'm on is not because of what the medication's for. I'm on it for the known side effects. So I'm on two forms of antidepressants, not because I'm depressed or I may be depressed, but I'm not on antidepressants because of that. I'm on antidepressants because gabapentin is a known nerve inhibitor. That helps with the amputation sort of a side. And anatriptyline helps with the muscle spasms, which is another side feature of it that's wonderful. It's like someone putting a cattle prod at your heel and just firing up it. It's horrific. Uh, oh, it's horrible. You wouldn't wish it on anyone. Um, so, yeah, so that's how they knew that heparin was a problem and they, they went with steroids. Um, and I I seen, I'm the lucky guy that the dominoes was lined up for because I had to get a vascular surgeon who clearly saw something that she'd never seen before and flagged upstairs you know, for her to be on call to get the, the vascular surgeon amputated me, to get the haematology team to be in Hermeyers because the Hermeyers haematologists, they're a team of six. They're part of a team of six, teams of six throughout the world. Sorry, eight teams of six throughout the world. And they were set up in January 2020, 20, 2021. Um, because they kind of foresaw that this virus was doing things to people's bodies. Little did they realise that the vaccines were going to do even worse, but that's them. That's where we are. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to when you had your your jab and sort of what frame of mind you were were, were in. Did you were you just sort of sort of blasé about it, or did you feel any pressure to get the jab? Was your job under threat if you didn't get the jab? That sort of thing. Yeah, listen, we, we had spent 12, 12 weeks under lockdown and first lockdown. The whole country was locked down. And then being a scaffolder, because we worked outside, we were allowed to go back to work. I seen the effects in every street, in every road, and it was on every TV station, it was in every newspaper. You couldn't go anywhere without it being on. As, you know, they were showing you dead people in China, dead in the street, you know, telling you not. You, if people can go in and say good, goodbye to their loved ones as they were passing, you know, they put the fear of God. It was 24-7, save the plant, you know, save the NHS, protect lives, do the right thing. I, my mum, the, the lady downstairs, she, they'd been neighbours for about 25, 30 years. She had fallen at home, broken her leg and went to the hospital and the lady died with COVID. So, yeah, there was a lot of pressure to go and get it. And you were you wanted to do the right thing. You know, and people say, were you, were you not aware? Did you not see anything? And I, no, I didn't see anything because people got to understand at that point in my life, I was at four or five nights a week going to gigs. The other two nights a week, one night I spent in the house, the other two nights a week I was out in my school. I worked six in the morning, you know, to four, half four, come home, get myself showered, changed. And I was off to a gig or I was out in my school. 
I was too busy enjoying my life. I had a perfect life. I was living in a wee bubble. You know, I'd set my standards to what I wanted to achieve in my life when I was about 17, when I decided that being a mod was something for life, it was a way of life, it was an attitude, an approach to life. You know, I was, I did achieve, go to that place, I was happy. I'd achieved everything. I was quite happy being known as Alec the Mod. He used to be in a band, you know, and drives old scooters, always wear three-piece suits. Everybody knew me as that. You know, so you try and go back, you know, and you look at it and you're right, okay, so try to do the right thing for the right reasons. And I've always believed in trying to do the right thing. I mean, I don't know, you know, and so off, I mean, so it wasn't the right thing, but, you know, so yeah, I didn't feel any, but that was the thing, there was nothing, no, no reports, people say, oh, there was reports here, no, they fucking weren't aware, were they? There was no reports. No, not on the on the media, certainly. You know, certainly not in March 2021, at the very early beginning of the, the pandemic, you know, the, the, the vaccination process. Right, yeah, because it started in, I think it was December, wasn't it, 2020, with the, the over-80s or something, and then they worked you know, down yeah. the, the age bands gradually, didn't they? You know, so that kind of, you know, people come up and say that to you all the time, and, you know, most of them tend to do it in social media because they did it within six feet, and I'm going to lamp them, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with it. Um, and I thought, you know, there's a couple of things that I got off my chest. Well, when did it become all right in society? You know, I've said this before, and it's maybe a terrible analogy, but it kind of makes it hit home. If a lady said to said to you in company, I've had a miscarriage, you wouldn't say, oh, I've had three children and they're perfectly healthy, would you? Why do you think it's all right to say to somebody like me, oh, I've had three jags and a booster and I'm absolutely fine? <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, that not helping. And this is no defense, this is not about me. I'm a big, ugly boy. You've probably seen some of the stuff I do in Twitter. I don't take crap off. No, I never have done. And I'm not going to start now. If anything, I'm even less fucking fear. Because see when you face that moment where you think you're breathing your last, you've got nothing else to fear. What do you think may, makes people react like that? Why, why did they think like that? It's, it's, it's almost sort of um, dis- um, it's trying to discredit, you know, the fact that we know people have had bad reactions to this. Why, why well, listen, people- the, the gaslighting... Now, here's the, here's the horrific thing. I've got evidence, 100% proof of evidence. My doctor's notes, I've got letters from hematology, I've got letters from vascular. My, my personal medical records are two inches thick, and they're all, it's all over it. It's vascular-induced, vaccine-induced thrombiotic thrombothenia, thrombosis, thrombothenia... There's no getting away from this, so I know I'm going to win my case. There's all these pure people that, you know, I've seen videos of people in hospital being, and I've heard nurses being really, really bad and saying, you've spoke to somebody for 45 minutes, you spoke to a cardiologist, gaslighting people. People don't go to doctors in hospitals when they're happy and they're fat and they're healthy. They go to a hospital because they feel as if they're fucking dying and at their arse end, and they're tearing, they're the lowest place in the, low, the world, and they're begging and screaming for their soul for somebody to help them because they're in torment, and for somebody to turn around and say, I think it's in your head, it's PTSD, it's anxiety. These people are no longer doctors. They really aren't. They really want to take a good look at themselves. This whole, we go down to informed consent. Clearly there was no informed consent, because we now know... That 20 years ago, as was any, can you, that the, 
adravenous factor that was using to drive this vaccine caused blood clots. They knew in the two animal trials that they did that every animal had to be put down within 48 hours, humanely. What does that tell you? And they went straight to emergency, straight from that to humans because of the Emergency Use Act, which we now know legally wasn't wasn't viable because there was an alternative. The Emergency Use Act can only be done if there's no viable alternative. A therapeutic. We now know legally, scientifically, clinically, that there is at least three drugs that's been banned, or you're not to mention <laughs> ivermectin, hydrochloxy, and there's another one. Shh. <laughs> I don't give a flying... Well, the other one's an antidepressant, isn't it? Fluvoxamine? Yes, that's the one. Now, I'm I'm not on any of these because my condition is sorted, it's controlled, and, you know, my blood is taken every fortnight, so I know exactly what's going on with me. But these people are fighting, you know, that have used these protocols. They're suddenly getting better. Plus, the fact there was... A very good doctor who got lost a career, Tess Laurie. Right. Did a peer reviewed study in December 2019, uh, 2019, January 2020, uh, where she showed that it was a safe alternative. It's 21 pence a tablet. You don't need to license it. It doesn't need to be given out by a prescription. There's a 50 year protocol safety. But by that time, the pharmaceutical companies had fired in the buildings, didn't they? They were never pulling back. I mean, I know that when the, when it comes to trial in courts, we're, all, we're going to win them. I don't need to go and get the evidence. They're damned themselves. If that makes any sense. You know, every government and every pharmaceutical company has to put their stuff online. Well, I'm not the cleverest guy in the world, but people out there far cleverer than me know where to find it. And the information's there. Well, eventually, I mean, they had to bully the FDA in the case of Pfizer, didn't they? Because they wanted to leave it for 70 years. They wanted to drip feed it out over yeah, 70 years. Yeah, 25 years. years. Clinical, you know, that the clinical trial. And the, yeah. the data that they have dumped uh, so far, they've been dumping it and it's all mixed up. Uh, there's a couple of bits of it that's been redacted, which it shouldn't be. And there's already been a couple of very well-renowned scientists went over and through that data of what they've got so far. And they're scratching their heads because it doesn't make sense. There we go. So there's their trial kit out the window. We know AstraZeneca's out the window. Moderna, Moderna's tank, J&J. I mean, scientifically, these three vaccines alone have caused more deaths, more injuries, and every other medical product in the last 27 plus years combined, and we've not stopped it. We're now going for children. Yeah, just this week, yeah, six months to five year olds in America. Now, three questions, and it's easy to ask them Can you provide the independently verified safety data? Two, Will the pharmaceutical company support my child for life should it go wrong? Three, will the government support my child for life should it go wrong? And the answer to any of them is no. As a parent, you really need to have a good think about what you're doing. The answer to all three is no. There is no help. You're on your own. I'm a year 
during the year and three months, and I'm still fighting to get support. You've had nothing. You've had nothing. It took me ten months to receive basic state benefits or disability benefits. How did you manage for those ten months? Because you used to be working, you know, and getting paid weekly, I presume, scaffolding on sites. Yeah. How did you manage? Um, well, my life savings are gone. Fuck. Right. And then some. You know, I've got a mortgage to pay like everybody else. You know, and this is these this is where the trauma really kicks in. You can't deal with what's happened to your health. You can't deal with the trauma that's happened to you because you can't get help. You can't get support. And I'm not the only one. Now, in February, the 28th of February, there was 920 claims in the vaccine damage payment scheme over the last two years. In April, that went to 1,200. It's now sitting at over 1,700. That's just in the last two years. The claims are going up by average of 50 claims a week. That's 50 claims a week of people medically deemed 60% disabled and above. What about the thousands upon thousands that didn't quite make the 60%? That's the criteria to get a payment from the vaccine damage scheme, which is a 1979 policy, which is an absolute farce. They've tried to reform it three times. Now, here's how ridiculous that is. Now, let's go with the scenario. There is a virus. That's not for debate. It was killing people. That's not for debate. We needed something as a world. As a, that's not for debate. Therefore, it had to be done quicker than normal. That's not for debate. So therefore, it's a higher risk. That's not for debate. The logistics of rolling this out by age group, telling them they'd missed their first appointment, their second or their third doing all that logistics of getting all these batches. It's military-grade logistics, something that should be... Some, someone somewhere could just go, that's a very, very clever person, figured all that, those logistics out. So you say, right, I've done all that. So now that we know that it's got a higher risk of it going wrong, what we do? Do you know what we'll do? We'll use state benefits. We'll not change them, just keep the ones we've got. And we'll add two words an old policy for the 1970s, COVID-19 vaccines. That's a sum total of preparation this government did for a pandemic that they knew was coming, for a vaccine that they knew had slightly higher risk. You know, that is fucking disgusting. And I've fought this for a year. And I'll tell you something just now. When we do win the fight, and we will win the fight, after that, I'm going for people's jobs. And... The, the DWP and then the National Health Service Business Services, they're the people that's now running the vaccine damage scheme. These people are called untold damage to our, our lives by adding the trap, the trauma, denying us, fucking messing us about. My paperwork sat for the 23rd of April to, no, 23rd of April last year to the 28th of February on a desk before somebody done anything with it. And that's because I kept up holy hell. You went that long so, without even getting an acknowledgement or a reply or anything? Um, no, I got a reply on the 2nd of June because I sent off the form with all my evidence. Right. Uh, and the letter on the 2nd of June said I had to prove two things. I had to say it's most likely caused by a vaccine, which we have to pay for what for. 
and I had to be at least 60% disabled, which I clearly am. So I'd have tried to move this son away, All right. um, which I now clearly am. And they said that due to these vaccines being new dra- trial drugs, uh, there's still unknown correlations to causation and investigation may take some time. I waited six weeks and I phoned. And unfortunately, the only number that you had for the, the vaccine damage payment scheme from April to November was an answer machine where you left a voicemail. So for 12 weeks, I phoned every week asking for an update and a clarification on a definition of what some time is because legal it's 21 days. Gave up November, spoke to my MP or my MSP, who, again, I seem to have been lucky, agreed with me this was not acceptable and wrote off two letters, one after the other, because they didn't respond to the first one, so she wrote another one that didn't respond to that. They then sent the cases over to the National Health Service Business Services, who were taking over, who had never done anything like this before, didn't have any staff, they didn't have any claim assessors, there was no team, nothing. And then we got a letter, no, sorry, I phoned in December to be told my records had been sent for, and that's when I contacted him about the 23rd, 24th of February for an update to be told my medical records hadn't been sent for. So I asked for a manager's callback. This was a Friday night. I didn't get it. And in total frustration, because at every level, whether it be politicians, doctors, society, everyone just wants to deny us, ignore us. I had enough, and I took to Twitter, and I called them out and said, it's fucking ridiculous, you know, nine-month standard policy to just ignore you. And they responded on Twitter. A government department responded to me on Twitter. I couldn't get them to answer the fucking phone. Well, that's it, the public square, Mm. you know, start shaming these twats in public and you get a response. It's just disgraceful that you have to go through that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was promised, I gave my details, I promised somebody would call me on the 28th of February, which they did. And the manager, who will remain nameless because I'm filing an issue with her, come on and said, I'm here to help you. How can I help you? I said, well, unless you're telling me you've got a cheque, my name on it, are you putting money in her bank account? I don't see how you can fucking help me. I said, because this is now over a year and I'm going nowhere. Uh, had my medical records been sent for? No. I went, why not? Oh, they've been sent for now. And I said, look. And then she said, uh, could you get your doctor to write your letter to see how disabled you were? And I said, why would I want to do that? And she said, because it might help your case. And at that point, the reason I got my back up was, that's not their policy. I said, that's not your policy. She said, sorry. I said, that's not your policy. I said, is that because when it comes to court, because that's going to go to court, this will be a legal case. You can get your professionals out to say that that was my doctor's personal professional opinion. I said, that's very underhand. I said, given the fact that you know your policy is that you already use a sliding scale and have done for over 50 years, it tells you from 0% disabled to 100% disabled. I said, no, that's, see, that now you're being very underhand again. And then she asked something else, and I went, do you know what? I don't trust you. You're lying to me now. This is what I want you to do. So I gave her some. I told her I wanted an email within an hour and uh, a full timeline review on my claim 
since the day it was arrived on the 23rd of April. That got escalated to the Chief Executive Officer of the National Health Services. And the response we got was, how shall we say, absolutely fucking horrific. Uh, this full timeline review consisted of seven lines and he lied. He said, they contacted me on the 28th of February to give me an update. And I said, he forgets to mention the fact I kicked up holy fuck on Friday the 23rd to get a manager to call me on the 28th. So she didn't call me to give me an update. She called me because I demanded the call, so that he's lying. Um, so the result, which we're now refusing to deal with the, uh, with the chief executive officer, who's now been just been given an MBE, wonderful <laughs> <for his> services. <laughs> um, and we've sent a letter to Boris Johnson, who did respond. He bounced it to his cabinet secretary, so I'm now waiting on that. Um, and probably next week will be the update of that. So that's kind of where we are with that. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think you're having such a troubles getting to just talk to someone and, and get yourself sorted out? Because it seems like an open and shut case, really. You've got all the medical evidence. You've got, yeah. the, you know, what? What do you think it is that's stopping it? Well, honest answer. Yeah. Well, here's the reality. Right. I said there's now about seventeen hundred claims. There's an outstanding eight hundred plus claims for. Previous 10 years, so if we go back 12 years, that's 2,500 claims. How many claims have they paid out in 12 years? 54. It's a 1.7% success rate of a claim. I'm not telling you any lies here. These are the figures that's out there. Do you think they're just it's trying to? Do they think you're just hoping you're going to go away? You know, if they just yeah, stonewall you and, and ignore you for yeah. long enough, you might just go away and leave us alone. No, oh, they hope that we're going to. If you want to be cold about it, they hope die first. That's what they hope. Fuck it. Well, it's yeah, like that would, that would solve their problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, but here's the problem they've got. They've done two things here. They've pissed off a Scotsman. They've pissed off a Scottish scaffolder. <laughs> you know, uh, I, that sounds really. I've never had this problem. It's got my bloody daughter was in to put the blind Especially up. Especially in Scotland, <laughs> the sun. Yeah. What's what's that yellow orb in the sky? <laughs> yeah, it was that horrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. And listen, see if I was a singular case going through this, it would be horrific and a tragedy and everything else that you could call it. But the fact that this is now. And the scale it's on, and the UK government, and the Scottish government, and the Welsh government, and the Northern Ireland government do not want to know. Mm. And the problem that they've got now is that I can guarantee you, with anything I've got, that I'll win my case. I've had one of the UK's top lawyers who's seen my evidence, not because he's my top lawyer, because somebody showed him it and I was on a Zoom call with him about something else, and he said, to use his words, I know fucking brainer. This is one of the top lawyers in the UK. The evidence is that damning. So if they admit it one, they have to admit it to us all. Right, yeah. Open the floodgates. Here's the reality. 
I've lost my leg. I'll never work again. I've got this life-threatening condition. I'm going blind in one eye. And here's how they're going to help me. They're going to give me a wonderful £120,000. You think that's going to serve me and care for me for the rest of my living days? You know, that's a disgusting thing. There's people lost their lives, their husbands, their partners, their sons, and they're going to give them £120,000. It's an embarrassment. It really is. It is, considering how quick they were to write the checks when these things were approved, you know, for political oh, yeah. reasons, because every, every government in the world wanted to be the first to uh, get, the get the first vaccines in arms. Yeah, they, they, you know, they, well, they, you know, listen, the, the whole corruption thing goes so so deep, it's unbelievable. This is something I wanted to ask you about, is that if this had changed, you know, the way you look at the world, like from the before times to now, because I've always sort of been down the rabbit hole on these sorts of things, but I was wondering maybe if you had a different outlook before and this has changed you when it comes to the way media portrays things and the politics and Um, business. Mainstream media and officialdom, I will never do anything, and I do mean anything voluntary for them again, any of them. Now, for a year and a half, we have chased, not just me, hundreds of us have chased every mainstream media, every mainstream media broadcaster, every so-called independent journalist, and not one of them were interested to GB News started putting the vaccine damage on. No one else is interested. And I'll be honest with you, people like Sky News, when this breaks, and it's going to be sooner rather than later, it's not going to take years, it's going to take months, all this is all going, coming out and going to come down on top of them, because there's too many people now going, maybe fucking minute, I know three people have been under a bit of stuff. You know, why are you going for their children? When you, there's, no, there's no, you know, there's no necessity. The, the science is now showing that this virus... I would have had a 99.98% chance of surviving. The only people that we had to worry about was those over 70 and those under 70 with known underlying health conditions. Mm. Why the fuck did we try and vaccinate a full planet to save a percentage unless it was a bit funny? The way they the way they argued it at the time is uh, don't kill grandma. You know, you mm. get the vaccine, you're protecting grandma as well. And it turned out that was bullshit as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, the whole thing's a lie. You know, that's the other thing. These vaccines, hundred percent efficiency. <laughs> they start on. You know what they're down to now? Thirteen. Thirteen. Oh, I heard thirteen. Yeah, Twelve. Twelve. We won't split hairs. And that's <laughs> and that's literally three weeks after you take the damn thing. And the damage it's causing, all of them. AstraZeneca, there's a strange one, right? So the Norwegian Health Agency and alerted every health agency in the world round about this last week in January, second week in February 2021, that the AstraZeneca was causing these known issues. The UK government didn't release that information until about the 11th of April. But on the 25th of March, and that's five days after I had my vaccine, they changed the name from AstraZeneca to Vaxervia or Covishield. Now, they didn't change the ingredients, the ones that they knew was causing all the clots, the ones that's now got a, a condition verified. 
They pumped out another 1.7 billion doses and sent them to 170 poorer areas. Now, the UK and Western world, and that's Canada, America, because there is one or two bits in America, they struggled with us, and we've got the best medical teams in the world. What fucking chance the third world country's got? That's evilness. Now, we go back even further and you look at the, the board of directors of the UK Health Regulations Authority, 95% of them, all their research, studying, qualifications have all been funded by either AstraZeneca or Pfizer. The same UK Health Regulations Authority is now under criminal investigations because it's now known that there's been payments been going from Pfizer and AstraZeneca to the same board of directors. And if that's not a conflict of interest before it kicks a ball, I don't know what is. Well, personal payments, not funding the agency. Sorry? Did you say personal payments to these people or funding the fund, uh, payments to the agency, the MHRA? Uh, no, the, privately, there could be payments from directly from AstraZeneca and Pfizer directly to members of the board of the UK Health Regulations Authority. Great. Yeah. Uh, the, whole, you know, the whole thing, when you put it all together chronologically, it's a horror story that West Street, you heard of, no, West, Craven couldn't write. <laughs> Honestly, um, it, it's as if every single avenue that you've got to go down and put a block on it, have we? Have we? Sorry, Alex. Have we pretty much abandoned AZ now because they dropped it for under forties, didn't they? So are we pretty much just giving Pfizer and Moderna now? Yeah, pretty much. There's very, very little of. Even though it's a lot more expensive. Yeah, that's a strange one. Mm. And here's the strange thing: <clears throat> the three batches that have caused more vits than anything else in AstraZeneca. Or three batch numbers that come from India. Right. Somebody try and explain to me because I know for a fact that there's a couple of UK health ministers or UK ministers stated on camera, on record, that COVID shield or those vaccine numbers or anything that was made in India was never used in the UK. But the question I have to ask is why the fuck are we bringing stuff to India? when it's made, manufactured in Oxford. Mm. Yeah, that's the Serum Institute, I think, in India that, that made a lot of the AZ. Well, they make all that. They make all but medicines. That'll be subject, again, somebody'll put that legal fight up and it wouldn't be me, unfortunately. What's, um, because we've gone over an hour already, Alex, and, you know, yeah. there's just so much more to talk about. We didn't even get on to that, that piece of work, John Mason, that uh, member of the Scottish Parliament. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cracky, I, my blood would have been boiling if I'd seen what he tweeted the other day, in, if I was in your shoes. He's it, an absolute fool. An absolute fool. Um, it just, I've I, I seen it commented on it. And then he put the laughing emojis, and I thought, I thought no, yeah, and I thought, oh. But unknown to me, it, it took control, it took ground itself. You know, I didn't do anything to push it, I just made a comment, and it kind of went crazy. 
and I've seen it going crazy. Um, and I tried to reach out to him and say, look, John, you know, go off of social media. You're, you're creating a bigger mess. You know, this is just, this is career-ending stuff. And publicly batted me down, and I tried to reach out privately through some sources I have, and I actually spoke to him. And I left a message, he phoned me back, and I said to him, did you not think that that was offensive and rude to people like myself? I stand by my tweet. Really? I'm not down. I went, oh, fuck you, you're on your own then. You're a fucking idiot. Because this is going to cost him his job. The last time he did something, less Nick or Surgeon had to apologise for him. But he's done his more good than he realises. Because that's raised the profile. The, the yeah. Everybody sees this is how we've been treated. Yeah, yeah, with disdain. You know, they're doing it's bad enough them doing it privately, you know, publicly fucking pushing that back against us, going the government narrative, you know, it's all in your head, you sure it's vaccine. Because you're not allowed to mention vaccines. Oh God forbid. You know, don't mention to a doctor vaccines. The minute you mention doctor vaccines, they disappear. You know, as you know, that whole he what he fails to understand is that we've lost people to suicide through things like this, and that's the reality. We've got people in the darkest places you can imagine. Mm. Believe me, I know I've been there, and the last thing I ever want is anybody to feel that way again. And here we come, we spent months supporting each other, but you know, finding getting some kind of movement as a public support, and then we got a politician come out and doing that. You know, there are some people we forget is we to send spend, not all of us, but some of us spend spent Friday night and Saturday and in a very early morning hours talking to people. Not because we wanted to sit and chat to somebody at that time in the morning, because if we didn't chat to them, we weren't sure they were going to fucking stay the night. This is how low people are getting. Rocky. You know, and if I can do anything I can do to, to stop that or to help somebody get support, somebody's get help, then, yeah, you know, this isn't just about me. This is not about Ali. I don't need your sympathy. I say that a lot. I don't need your pity. I do need your support. I do need your voice. I do need you behind me. Because clearly, the legal establishment don't want to fucking know either. Over a thousand lawyer, legal firms were approached and didn't, not one of them, not one of them were interested. One feigned interest and then realised what was up against. But we'll do it. We've now got some lawyers and some legal firms that are doing as a world of good. Um, and we'll see how they go. They'll march on. But, you know, this is what it has to stop. You have to stop gaslighting people. You have to stop denying them. Because that's it. People, we did a survey yesterday between all the vaccine armies. There's a group that's there. There's over 600 members in it now. 600 members. That's vaccine armies. People find, and by the way, we're talking some of these are kids. 18, 19 year old, be told that they might need a new heart. Or because they try to do the right thing. You know, honestly, the horror of this just goes on and on and on. And I will personally spend the rest of my days bringing these people to task for what I've done. Because I'm going to fuck all the laws now. You're too covered, or you think you're too covered away from me. All you've done is just made me angry. Mm-hmm. 
That's good to hear. Yeah? That's good to hear, Alex. Um, oh, yeah, I'm not going to wait. That's, you know... And uh, positive as well. It's like, how, how are you going to turn this into a positive? What's your plans? How are you going to, uh, you know, keep going with this in the future? Looking positive. Well, you know, there's not just me. There's a lot of stuff. I've learned so much over the last year, legally, medically, uh, policy, popular processes that we've had to learn, not because we want it, because that's how we to get somewhere. All that hard work, experience, knowledge, and the trauma that we've been through can't can just go to waste when we win the VIT fight. It's, the VIT fight's just the start. The VIT fight just gives us credence to then say, these vaccines do kill, these vaccines do hurt, let's look at other people, let's look at the myocarditis, the pyocarditis, the trachea, the pots, the hepatitis, the pancreatic cancers, the, the mental issues. Let's treat people properly. Stop fucking gaslighting them. And if one doctor says one from now on, and I do mean this from this day forward, if a doctor says, you know, the vaccines are good, then I'm not a fucking doctor. I'm not a doctor. Because the minute you say that you do harm and you know these things are causing harm, none of them are safe. I mean, there's still trials. And this, this crap that the pharmaceutical companies have indemnity. Now, that's, that's out of the water. The indemnity is only in place if the safety data is robust and reliable. And accurate, yeah. 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 Well, we now know that AstraZeneca's safety data was out of date, incorrect, and uh, out of date, incorrect, and incomplete, uh, and incomp- or something. And it was that's we know that because the FDA told AstraZeneca that that's why AstraZeneca was never used in America. But it was the same safety data that they used for the UK. For the, for the UK. So, how did the British government? fight with the FDA because when, when it comes to court that's well the FDA said it was out of date incorrect and complete you argue with them not me you wonder how so, much politics is behind this you know Bojo I, I want to be the first first mm. country in the western hemisphere to approve a vaccine yeah yeah. you uh, wonder there was, there was a lot of that but no um, mm. let's not start on him because if I get in a room with him uh, you better make it a big room <laughs> um, that man I hold was personally responsible for the deaths of 78 people alone I hold him responsible for what happened to me people say oh he's just saying what he's told no, he, he's the guy that signs the fucking paper he's the man that's in charge he's responsible he's as complicit as the rest of them he's actually fucking dangerous is, how can we be that where, how, where did, what happened in society that We've now got a Prime Minister and a Chancellor of the Shaker that are criminals. First yeah. time in mm-hmm. parliamentary history, yeah? Yeah. And the people, the public are still buying into them. Mm. Shambles. But that's another fight, isn't it? That's so another story. Are, hey, you know. Alex, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, where, where can people go and follow you? Or is there like a website for the people who are in the same boat as you? Is there any sort of community building? Where can you hook up together? There is a community on Facebook, and it's called UKCV, and that's United Kingdom COVID Victims. 
a vaccine victims. It doesn't matter whether you have the vaccine or the virus. We couldn't care. We only care that you're, you're suffering and we want to try and help support people. Well, lots of great people in there. Uh, if you're looking for me, you'll find me on Twitter at AKE2306. You'll always find me there. Um, if you want to try to get a private message to me, just keep sending me a message. I will eventually get it. Sometimes my Twitter feed goes a bit crazy. Because <laughs> um, today, between yesterday and today, I have had 13, 14, 15,000 notifications. Bloody hell. Um, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was a, a tweet I put about the little old lady at the, the vaccine centre. She says, I'm 99 years young. She's sitting in a chair with a placard. I'm 99 years young, unjabbed and unafraid. <laughs> <laughs> Old school. And somebody took a picture of her, and I know who it was, uh, and asked if I could tweet it. And it's not one of those ones, you know, I said, ladies and gentlemen, not all superheroes wear capes. <laughs> you know, here's Beryl. Give her some love and give her some respect. And it kind of went a bit crazy because it's went global. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually reached out today and I phoned her, I got hold of her granddaughter to apologise and I said, I'm sorry if I've caused your grand any unwanted attention or anything. She went, unwanted? She's bloody loving it. Yeah, she's, she's got her own TikTok now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, if you want to get me, you'll get me on Twitter. Cool. Right. Well, it's been a pleasure, Alex. Just um, stay on the line for us for one minute while we play ourselves out. Mm. And uh, all the links are in the show notes. Go and uh, follow Alex on Twitter. Yes. Thank right. you very much, gentlemen. Peace Thanks, out. Alex. Nice to see you. Are we back? We're back. Um, the dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. Hello. And? <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and we're back. Yeah, that was our chat with Alex. Mm. Alex yeah. Mitchell, pretty heavy, heavy going. Scooterist. Mm. So, um, you know, positive positive vibes. We should focus our chi in his direction later. Yeah. We should have, uh, maybe we have to ask, but do you have to ask permission? I think, I think you don't want to be sent unsolicited chi, do you? Right, fair that enough. And you might just rebound if you're not open to the chi. Can you not offer it into the atmosphere? Just allow people to take it at will. <laughs> I think, I think a, focus, she, the clues in the name. Oh, yeah. yeah. Focused well, we into your... Let's send out some wild, unfocused she. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything could happen. It's like shaking the rain sticks. You end up with a monsoon. That's mm. it. Yeah, speaking on uh, vaccine in- in- industries, vaccine mm. injuries within the vaccine industry, there was uh, a, cre- a question raised in the House of Commons recently by, oh, I forgot his name, Sir Chris Chope. A Knight of the Realm, a Tory backbencher, who raised a question to the Speaker. It was uh, Nadine... Is it Nadine? Zahawi. Zahawi, he's the health minister, weren't he? Yeah. He was uh, at the dispatch box and one of his backbenchers raised this question and we got an idea of how seriously this is being taken by the House. Mr Speaker, does my right honourable friend accept that there is another NHS treatment disaster in the making? in the fact that there may be 10,000 or more people who have suffered serious injury or even death as a result of adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccinations. And uh, can he give us assurance that there will be justice for these people uh, immediately rather than having to wait for decades? So that's the question to the Health Minister. How do you think this goes? 
Well, I imagine uh, we've got a history here, haven't we, with other kinds of things that have been drawn out for years and years and years. I'm not hopeful. There was the narcolepsy, wasn't it, from the GSK swine, swine flu vaccine, things like that. I think he just says collateral damage and then moves on to the next question. The health minister? Yep. Don't even get that far. It's a very weak link, and yeah. Sir Christopher's normally better than that. I think that's a poor effort from him. Let's move on to Kato. Speaker doesn't even let the question be answered. Let's move on. You're better than that. That was Lindsay Hoyle, the speaker, intervening. That's wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's not even being entertained as a question. Well, you know, it's... The magic vaccine. It's magic. Don't question it. How long, ago, how long ago was that clip from? I think it was last week or the week before. It's recent. Right, It's okay. not like it was a badly formed question. No. No. <laughs> Which is normally, like, point of order, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, let's go on. Let's do some uh, housekeeping. 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 This is a Value for Value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this, and my favourite way, as ever, eternally, is word of mouth. Shoot people a link if you uh, know someone who'd be interested in this podcast who may also find and derive value from it. Forward them a link, a Spotify link, YouTube link, Twitter, mm. whatever it is. Help uh, spread the word organically. Nice. My favourite way is when you buy our shit from the uh, Amish loot chest. Have I gone quiet again? Yeah, speak into the microphone, Ben. Buy our shit from the Amish loot chest. <clears throat> you can get a current grape t-shirt or a literally a communist hoodie. <laughs> or a fist. A fist. fist away, Ben. A fist away. You can get a special branded plastic oh, fist to uh, <laughs> ensure your measurements from microphones are accurate at all times. Current grape T-shirts, literally mm. communist hoodies, three weeks to flatten the earth T-shirts, Amish Inquisition mugs are all available from the merch store. Link in the show notes for that. Yes, yes. that's exactly what I said. <laughs> no bacon nuts T-shirts or pint glasses yet, but oh. they are in your future eavesdroppers if you want a bacon nuts pint glass. Oh, yeah, I've just, you know, I've had a lot. It's, father, it's been Father's Day, so I don't have time to to do. You've just do, been accepting the, the do, praise of your children all day. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, that's every day. There's nothing special about Father's Day when it comes to being praised. All right, okay. Jabulon. <laughs> Praise Jabulon. How else can you become a producer? You could, give us, you could give us a review, and we've had a review at last. <laughs> it's only taken six months. Have we got a fanfare? <gasps> One review. <laughs> A new review. Yeah. I've got a new review. Okay. Who's um, it from? It says it's from What Fur F U R via Apple Podcasts, United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, five stars, obviously. Thumbs up. And great shows. Great show, even in uh, quotation marks. Good. So, so, you know, that's another solid five stars for the Amish Inquisition. Well, guess what, what what fur? You are producer of this episode, episode 236, and your name will be in the show notes. This is how it works. You don't have to just listen. You can become a producer, help us produce the content (laughs) for the second half of the show, whether that be sending us links, uh, audio clips, video links, whatever in the Discord. Give us content, news articles that we can talk about. Buying the, uh, the, the merch, 
we can't give you a producer uh, credit if you buy the merch because we don't have your details. Unless no. you forward a picture of yourself modelling. <gasps> yeah. Oh, yes. Show us a bit of leg. Wear that mug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you send a video, if you're drinking tea from a hoodie... We'll definitely give you an executive producer credit. Kellyanna uh, says on the chat, do you guys do Patreon? I thought we did. I thought you, one of you two was setting that up. I think we, we looked into it a long time ago. No, like uh, two, three weeks ago. We were talking about it. a long time it. ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've slept since then. Yeah, uh, we'll I was, check, we'll I, it's the, we have a site, but it's not live. Um, because I, I wasn't getting positive vibes from you, Phil. I said, oh, I'll right. do it, I'll do it. And you were going, well, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, For no. God's sake, man! Save plot plans. <laughs> well, Save plot I was quite happy to do it, but you were just, you, you were so on the fence that I just thought, oh, no, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. The thing that I don't like about Patreon is they take a cut for doing nothing. Yeah. When we offer a donate, you can just give us the money direct through PayPal. But the the way of thinking of, of it is, is if people are already have Patreon accounts and they give money to other podcasters, yeah. maybe that's sort of easier for them rather I, than going to some dodgy website and clicking a PayPal button. So maybe we should do it. Okay, do so it. I will... I will do it, do it, do I'll, it. I'll write it on my to-do list it's underneath Ring the Dentist. <laughs> uh, OBDM, our big dumb mouth videos. I wonder who it is. Is it Mike? I'm not in the Discord or I'd send you some hot links. I oh. don't want any pictures of your balls. I said legs, didn't I? So legs would be good. Right. Okay. Um, Harry the better, personally. Bigfoot style. Uh, yeah. Squatch. Just makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> Have you ever been confused uh, for being a Squatch, Matt? Because you're a rather hair suit gentleman. I know I am, yeah. I definitely got a hair suit. Don't go, like, camping in the Pacific Northwest because you're probably going to get snagged and tagged and bagged and and uh, you'll be on, like, some footage, some cam footage. What do they call them, like, trap cams or something? Yeah. Sounds nature, kinky. Nature things. Yeah. Yeah. Piece of advice, you know, take it or leave it. Pizza advice. A plate of piece of advice. Oh, jeez. Pizza, pizza advice, ham and pineapple. Is that a real thing? Uh, Is that you've, doable? You've, Divided the uh, yeah. listeners now by pineapple. As a child, ham and pineapple was my favourite pizza. And we used to go to an Italian restaurant with a real-life Italian man. He used to run it. Romano. And Ray Romano. Yeah, Ray Romano. He was called Romano. Okay. Anyway, he, um, um, he just made it for me. He greeted his teeth and said, yeah, I'll put some canned pineapple on your pizza for you, lad. Wow. Did you say... Literally. The best mate. Yeah. Making my home Had home. so many pizzas with Romano. Yeah. Dude. Cool story, bro. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I saw the car to Phil Schofield the other day, and he didn't call me the best mate. Literally the best mate he'd ever had. You did what to Phil Schofield? I sold the car to him. My knackered, rotten Miata. Right. Miata? Did you get, yeah, for the American listeners. MX5? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Did you get his email or his number or something? Didn't get anything from him. Oh, just a small amount of scrap value cash. That was a lot of money you got for it. I thought you'd get like 100 quid or something. Yeah, it was It was for about 400 pounds, so what's that in dollars? About it's a million. <laughs> uh, I know it's the other way now, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, the pound's tanked, yeah. Oh. So, uh, anyway, we're, we're oh. sort of diverging here. How else can you become a producer? <laughs> corrections. We like uh, corrections because yeah. occasionally it's pretty rare, but... 
it's not unheard of that we are, that we make errors I occasionally. We've had three, haven't we, in 236 episodes. All right, let's make it four. <laughs> <laughs> Some eagle-eyed or eagle-eared listener brought something to my attention in the week. Do you remember, Ben, last week we were talking about the Viking coprolite? Oh, yes, the big turd. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is yeah. Which end do you think came out first? I mean, it's pretty obvious. I think the, the left-hand side is the Hollywood ending, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the right side of the bolus. <laughs> you can almost see the relief etched into the, the end yeah. of the turd. You got seriously stretched there for a second. Oh, God. And then, <laughs> and then it was just... springing back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he curled it off nicely. Yeah, we were talking about the Viking <laughs> coprolite and um, this um, ancient... Turd. Turd. <laughs> Yeah, is being uh, housed in a, a very famous um, museum in York. Right? Is it the Turd Museum of New York? <laughs> no, it's the famous Viking Museum in York. Jorvik. Jorvik. <laughs> is it Jorvik? The Jorvik Centre. That's how it's called. Yeah, I kind of mispronounced it. Maybe they're, they're, they're at the Jorvik Centre in York. <laughs> Maybe they're, they're, they're at the Jorvik Centre in York. You just got dick on your mind. I just got dick on my mind. They give him a big fat shot in the ass and. Oh, dear. Yeah, so. Good Hello. catch. Good catch. Because that was like in a split yeah. second. Nice. So thanks for that. Yeah. Mm. Eagle, eagle eared. Like I, mean, so. I, I mean, I don't want to call our listeners petty, but. You know. I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. All right. How else can you become a producer? Artwork. Yeah, send we us have, some uh, artwork. We have new show artwork every week. Couple of submissions this week. Let me see. We had one. Late in the day from Bunyanut. Bunyanut's on a rich vein of form after six weeks in the wilderness. He's back with another piece of art, and here it comes. Slowly. <laughs> like a scooter. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what kind of... Is that a... It's not a Vespa, it's... Le, it's like a Lambre, Lambrusco. Lambretta. Lambrusco Bianco. <laughs> that's uh, that's Bunyanut's submission there. Alex Mitchell, V-I-T-T. Vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia. Mm. He's got everything on there. He's got the episode yeah. number. He's got the logo. I think that's good. I like it. I, I rattled one up as well this morning. And here it is. Incoming. Ooh. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not too sure about that one. <laughs> I think you Phil... poor Alex look very dirty. Yeah. I've tried to cartoonify him. No, you've made him you've made him look like uh... a dirty person. Well, he was he's a scaffolder. <laughs> I'm always gonna pick the one that has something that closely resembles a motorbike. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We'll we'll make Bunyanuts artwork the uh the podcast artwork for this week. I might use mine for the YouTube, just to be uh kinky. <laughs> Why not? Ooh. That that was kinky. I wasn't expecting that. Mm. Yeah. Weird flex. Um, what else? Focus chi. Yeah. Have we not said that? No, we've not. No, if you join the Discord server, there's um, a thread there for focus chi requests. So if you're uh, in a funk of some sort, you're not feeling 100, percent maybe having some mental health issues, 
a mm. personal dilemma, or someone you love is. Maybe you've got a, a vaccine injury. <laughs> mm. uh, what else? Could be have a job interview coming up. Yeah, your car might have rotted underneath you. Your car might have filled your MOT. You need some focus sheet in your direction mm. for your given aims. Um, you know, drop us a message in the Discord and we're happy to implement that. It's 100% effective. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Not in a, not in an AstraZeneca Pfizer way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the effectiveness does tail off after three weeks. Of chi, yeah, yeah. I, I think know. it's pretty much instant, isn't it? Is it? As mm. soon as you hear that Chinese asshole, yeah. it's just getting sucked into your, into your aura. Then within seconds, I think. Yeah, I read a story about Hong Kong today. I don't know if you want to hear it now or later. Yeah, go ahead. So apparently they are um, rewriting the textbooks in Hong Kong to remove all references to the um, Treaty of Nan... Took it? Ching? Nanjing. Nanjing. What does that mean? It, there was a treaty between the British and, and the Chinese after the first Opium Wars. Right. And we got Hong Kong for 100 years or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Must have been longer than 100 years. Cause it was Buy now, pay later. Yeah, and uh, they're rewriting all of that and just saying we were imperialist bastards, which, you know, is half right, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> History is a set of lies agreed upon, as Napoleon once said. Yes. Napoleon really Dynamite. Matters. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, anything else you can do in the Discord? Um, oh, next week preview. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good. If if you are an artiste, like when you're not, and you want to submit artwork, um, if you join the Discord, on the Monday morning, you get a preview of who next week's guest is going to be. So that might give you some inspiration. Uh, it's a returning guest next week, I think. I'm pretty Ooh. sure it is. Uh, it should be a good one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, join the Discord. It's all happening in the Discord, yeah. basically, you know. It's off the chain. <laughs> it's lit. There's something going on about it's, the, the Sator Square, isn't there? It's, to- that it's toxic. That I don't understand. <laughs> effervescent. The Sator Square? Yeah. Sator Arepotenes Rotas. Something's going on about that that I don't understand. Very long posts about it. So if you're interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, some occult discussion goes on in the Discord. Yes. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So all the usual stuff. Birthday shouts. If it's your birthday, let us know. Yeah. We'll, 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 you know. Say happy birthday, huge anus. Yeah. Uh, we've done the review. Oh, what's the best way of becoming a producer? Toss us a fucking coin. Toss a Absolutely. coin to your witcher. Do it for the lads. 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 Because. Oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. Yeah, if you go to thehonestinquisition.com, there's a link there with the donate button and you can give us a one off payment. You can sign up for a recurring, sustaining donation. Uh, donations at the level of £50 or above will grant you the rank, status, cachet, the degree of executive producer for that particular episode, which looks shit hot on your curriculum vitae, your LinkedIn profile, your uh, Tinder. Yeah. Know, you can put it on your Tinder if you want. Hinge. You Grinder. Grinder, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the one where the girls <laughs> ask? Only fans? No. Bumble. Bumble. That's the one. Sure, you can have profiles on that as well. Yeah, slap your producer credits in there. Why not? Mm. Okay, shall we thank them then? Thank the producers for this week. I think it's time, isn't it? It's time to big up the man Dems, yo. What have we got? Uh, producers for episode two, three, six. We have Joe, Steve, Watford, Helen, Slicko, Lee, Nick, 
and bunion nuts. Thank you. You're so amazing. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love and literally the best mate. Support for another week. We were absolutely weighed down with uh, news articles and stuff this week. It's a good position to be in. Yeah, much yeah. appreciated. It's well to uh, drowning underneath current affairs. Yeah, separate the wheat from the shaft. Yeah, <laughs> scoop off the cream. Uh, skimmed. Any more metaphors? Uh, um, something about the cutting room floor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's where this podcast should be left, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> On the cutting room floor. Swept up with the shavings. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Lee from The Big Conspire on Friday, and he, it, one of his uh, jobs of a previous life was cutting film together in cinemas. Oh, that's nice. Like, uh, you know, where they edit the... Like uh, ad, they have to put the adverts in. Like, like Tyler that. Durden. <laughs> oh, shit! That's what he did. Hang on oh. a minute, Phil. Lee yeah. from the Who now, what? Lee from Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. Used to work... Uh, well, used what's to... the first rule about the Big Conspire? Yeah. yeah, don't talk about the Big Conspire. I went on there on Friday, so uh, I think it'll be coming out this week. I will post a link when it does. If you want to, and if uh... it doesn't, we'll understand. <laughs> I was uh, rather smashed, rather blitzed, rather... S- Sexy. Are you in a K-hole? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Everything short of a K-hole, yeah. Mm. Yes. Oh, God. It's never a good sign. But You're nearly I 40. <laughs> I know, yeah. Zero fucks given, eh? Oh, well. Father's Day, fuck it. What do we normally do now? Um, headlines. Oh, fucking hell. Have you heard about this... Um, this, uh, what would you call it? This phenomenon. This uh, Something lab phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yes. This thing of people that podca- listen to podcasts and you'll listen to it at 1.5 times speed. Have you heard about this? Yes. Yeah. You just fucked him. <laughs> yeah, seriously, like Helen, this could be talking about this. So you listen to all the podcasts at 1.5 speed. <laughs> <laughs> Squeeze more in. Dush. I mean, what's wrong with these people? Why? What's it with their attention span? They have to listen to podcasts at 1.5 times speed. Um, you can actually listen to it at three speed. You might have a very short I think, commute. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. All right, should we do some headlines that didn't uh, land that joke? <laughs> I don't think. Not for me, no. No, headlines of the week. What's the... Uh, I've only got one this week. Bottle, uh, bottle bed babies more likely to develop fetish for rubber gimp suits, claims feminists. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, this is obviously, you know, based on solid science, isn't it? I'm literally a communist. Yeah. Do you want to dive deeper into this one? Yeah. yeah. Please. (laughs) Babies who are bottle-fed or suck dummies are more likely to develop rubber fetishism or a fixation on gimp suits later in life, a leading feminist has claimed. Antonella Gambotto-Burke. 
Easy for you to say. Once played by Amber Heard in a film. Weirdly. What? As <laughs> Antonella Gambotto-Berg, the feminist in question, once played by Amber Heard in a film, has said today newborns who are bottle-fed are more likely to develop into rubber fetishists as adults. She thinks this is because they draw comfort and gratification from the smell, taste and feel of the synthetic teats they sucked on as infants. Well, I never was bottle-fed. <laughs> That's why. And you're a, a latex fetishist. Yeah. How do you work That's that it. one out? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Put that in your bottle and drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Breastfed babies, on the other hand, are less likely to be kinky in adulthood and more likely to bond with their mums, she said. Gambato Burke's 2015 book Mama, Love, Motherhood and Revolution is seen by some as one of the seminal feminist works of the 21st century. Seminal. Yeah, seminal. Good choice of words, Guardian. And her latest book, Apple, Sex, Drugs, Motherhood and the Recovery of the Feminine, aims to strike a devastating uppercut to the patriarchal ideology that has marred billions of lives. Available in the Guardian Bookshop, fifteen ninety nine. <laughs> Antonella claims to be the first person to link rubber fetishism to bottle field, field feeding. Well, yeah, I would imagine so. It's, sounds a bit silly. Uh, a member of Mensa with a genius IQ above 150, she said. Mm. For decades, psychiatrists have tried to explain why some people fetishize rubber and have entirely failed to do so. The link between bottle feeding, dummies, and rubber fetishism, however, is entirely obvious. I didn't think that was a French name. Mm. Uh, well, just guessing. How do you stereotype her? Being, uh, how do you know she's not French? Uh, she, could she, be. Be from she could be French. Leeds. Yeah. Yeah, she could be from Leeds. Anyway, that was the headline of the week. Shall we move on to, uh, to Brandon, Mr. Biden? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, he's put his foot in it this week, man. Did you see... Uh... Yeah. Oh, I think we're talking about uh, probably different things. This was... Uh, he was doing a, a piece, you know, oh. at the podium in the Oval Office, well, at, the, yeah. at the press room. Okay. And, um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he was rather lacking in subtlety here. <laughs> I spoke to the CEO of Joanne Stores. Wade is here. Wade, stand up so everybody sees you here. Wade McCollum. And by the way, sorry, is he working the room? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Give him a round of applause. Stand up, sir, so we can see you. Come on down. Give him a clap, yeah, and then I don't have to speak or think. <laughs> Get him on side early. Continue. My sympathies to your the family of your uh, your, your CFO who uh, dropped dead very unexpectedly. My best of her family. It's tough stuff. Your CFO, who uh, dropped dead very unexpectedly. Oh, someone just oh. tell Grandpa. It's just not the right thing. No. I mean, that wasn't the worst thing that happened to him this week, was it? To be fair, it was probably this. Mm. Oh, God. I mean, when they break their hips, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a glue factory, isn't it? Mm. Why did he put his leg down? I don't get it. 
He got his leg um, stuck in the... On a cleat. Is that what they call the strap that goes over your foot? Oh, God. They Why should did they bother that? They give him a mountain bike. Why didn't they put stabilisers on it? Oh. Why did they let him ride an adult's bike? <laughs> I don't know. It's like... I know what you're saying, though. I mean, a fall like that for... A, a, is he 79? Yeah. He's lucky to be alive, really. Yeah, you know, once you crack that pelvis, <laughs> there's no coming back, is there, unfortunately? Yeah, Mate. One. How many people break their hip and end up in hospital and don't come out? Yeah. You know, it's a very real spectre of death when you're 79. Maybe he's some sort of, like, um, stuntman judo master because you remember him falling up the escalator? <laughs> Mr. Bean. <laughs> Is it Mr. Bean? Maybe he's a fan of, like, Laurel and Hardy, like, slapstick, yeah. and he's just got it down. He just knows what the people want Yeah, to entertain us. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Yeah. That's on there somewhere. Oh, my God. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah, he's had, he's had a rough week, hasn't he? He's yeah, is it not like something about his son as well? Is not, I thought, like, is, he not, is his son not called Brandon? I got hairy legs. Hunter. Hunter, that's it, yeah. What has he done now? Is, some, is it not? I've seen, I'm sure it's in an article where he's, like, pictured... Oh god, I'm I'm fucking. I hope I've not dreamt this. Where he's like in bed with two like hookers or something. You're just finding this out now. Uh, yeah, but it was because his wife or ex-wife has released a book, and it was like the picture was with the book basically and the advert. Didn't he get his? Didn't he get his dead brother's wife pregnant, or did he leave his dead brother's wife for a hooker or something? I don't know. It's a complete. Know. Mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the pictures of him with the crack pipe. I think so, yeah. He's yeah. the guy who left his laptop. He put his laptop. He's the one who did all the... He was working for Burisma, wasn't it? The oil company from Ukraine. Okay. 50, 50 grand a month, was it? Directorship job. Yeah. Nothing to do with his dad. No. He was VP at the time, obviously. No. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a shit show hunter. Good. Yeah, nothing to add, to add really. No. I, you know... I don't think I don't know if he's pregnant or not. But it surprise me! Oh my god! Oh, it's going to t- it's going to it's up this podcast already. It's fine. I'm I'm sort of. Uh, we didn't even do the Michael Gove jingle before the headlines. No, and I know you are, you are pounding the mid-strength beers again, though, aren't you? I'm pounding them, yeah, man. Your CFO, who uh, dropped dead very unexpectedly. <sighs> That's our guy. He's just telling it like it is. Yeah. Oh, my God. I sometimes think about that comment. Which one? This one? You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You... No, that guy saying on, on whatever it was. it on Rumble? Not Rumble. Odyssey, was it? Bit shoot. Just makes me laugh. <laughs> the more I think about it, the more it makes me laugh. Yeah, a bit shoot is the place if you want to laugh at comments. Yeah, bitch, the, the horrific anti-Semitism. It's savage, isn't it? It's absolutely savage, bit shoot. Yeah. You got to swing the the banhammer like Thor, bit shoot because it's just they're just wild, yeah. wild animals. It's yeah. great. Yeah, the last bastion of free speech on internet streaming. <laughs> it's bit shoot at this rate. What's fucking Twitter then? Twitter's Twitter's Is that tame. Yeah, you get banned off Twitter. Do you, right? You know, okay. lots of people who've got banned off Twitter. Right. 
Yeah, that's, uh, you know, unless uh, the saviour, Elon Musk, actually buys it. But, I mean, most people think he's just devaluing it now. He's trying to tank it. It's never going to go through that deal. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Anyway, let's move on. Let's do some climate change news. <laughs> Yeah, this is the big story that's coming, and we've been saying this for months. That as soon as the you know the COVID was hysteria was over, they would be panning over to climate change. Mm. And uh, Tim Fall hats uh, the ready boys and girls because I seem to remember us playing clips about climate lockdowns. Maybe, oh, yeah, maybe being in our future. Mm. Yeah, they've not uh, they've not waited too long. Here's a story from uh, Sky News regarding the French area of Bordeaux. Mm. Parts of France have banned outdoor events and resistance celebrations as a record heatwave sweeps across Europe. The Bordeaux region reached 40 degrees this week, resulting in large public gatherings being cancelled due to safety risks. Private events such as weddings are still permitted. Scientists say heatwaves are becoming more intense and longer-lasting in Europe. Temperatures are forecast to peak over the weekend. Spain, Italy and the UK are experiencing similarly extreme weather. Yeah, so this is from the BBC. Europe heatwave, outdoor events banned in parts of France. Outdoor public events have been banned in an area of France as a record-breaking heatwave sweeps across Europe. Concerts and large public gatherings have been called off in the Gironde department around Bordeaux. On Thursday, parts of France hit 40 degrees C earlier in the year than ever before, with temperatures expected to peak on Saturday. Scientists say, scientists say, periods of intense heat are becoming more frequent and longer-lasting as a result of global warming. Spain, Italy and the UK are also experiencing high temperatures. In Gironde, this is the area of Bordeaux, officials said public events, including some of the official 18th of June Resistance celebrations, will be prohibited. From Friday at 2pm until the end of the heatwave, <laughs> whenever that may be. Indoor events at venues without air conditioning are also banned. Private celebrations such as weddings are still to be allowed. For now. Everyone, this is in uh, quotes, this is a local health official. Everyone now faces a health risk. Local official Fabienne Bouchio told France Bleu Radio. So there you go. I think that might be the first climate lockdown. Where is it that they have the Burning Man Festival again? Nevada, isn't it? Is it, is it hot in Nevada? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And the other thing as well is, you know, that's a climate... You could frame it as a climate lockdown because it's, it's because of a heat wave. But then it said you're allowed to meet up in air-conditioned buildings. And what does air conditioning run on? Legionnaires disease. <laughs> <laughs> Moon sticks and lollipops and good vibes. Well, I, you know, if whatever you're reading, like air conditioning gets um, trolled by the, the greenies because... Because <clears throat> it's uh, toxic. Because it uses so much energy. And ever, right. ever more, you know, as, as countries modernise that are in the traditional, um, I suppose, what you might call like developing countries or whatever 
they're in the, all like tend to be in the tropical zone, don't they? So more and more people will sort of improve their living accommodation by adding air conditioning. Therefore, you know, it's more power from the grid and stuff. So right. I mean, I, I don't really care as long as you don't close the, the Yordic Centre. Maybe they're, they're, they're at the Yordic Centre in York. It's hot in there at the best of times. Yeah, and you can smell the scat. It stinks. That was the big thing about the Yordic. The Yor- I'm going to say Yordic now. <laughs> hey! Your dick stinks of shit. Yeah. Um, I win! I imagine the carrot was my pee. <laughs> That's, oh, we've not had that for months. <laughs> what? The carrot is my penis. Um, yeah, so that was a big thing. Going, there, oh yeah, you go there and it smells. I don't remember it smelling that bad. More pussy. That's what they need. Get more of that in there. Mm. Smell more. Mm. No, they did an odor gram of the uh, Lloyd's Bank Coprolite. They took a sample and brought down the smell so that when you go to the Yordic... Lloyd's Bank? Lloyd's Bank Coprolite, the eight-inch turd that I threw up on the screen before. Is that... It's owned by Lloyd's. <laughs> we did this last week. They were building a new Lloyd's bank. That's oh, when they found the turd. It's not... The, you know, I thought this, it was like Lloyd's of London. And fucking yeah, this <laughs> ancient scats is brought to you by Lloyd's bank. <laughs> now, that's I thought it might be valuable, you know, like that weird thing that... We, we valued it last week. That, oh, that, that, it. Um, whales, you know, cough up. Ambergris. Yeah. It's like you can make. It's like hundreds of thousands of pounds, isn't it? That yeah. shit's worth. Yeah, it's not shit though. They use it no. in perfume. It's vomit. Yeah, it's like some kind of weirdness, isn't it? Wow. They they puke up. Unicorn tears. Mmm, yummy. Anyway. Next. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's like it's quarter past ten. Like I don't want to keep on chest feeding forever. How many stories have you got? Well, I've got. I've got that Peter O'Bourne clip that you throw up in the, threw up in the Discord, but it's long. How to break Just play three. it. It's good. I would do it, it again. 1.5 times speed. I probably could if I tried. I mean, I might hit the wrong button. I might have to pause it several times to just comment on it. But if I, I'm sure we could do it at 1.5 times speed. Yeah, if we just put it, it. Put do it, do it on. It. It's, it's, very, it's, it's, it's very much worth a listen. And there's quite a lot of stuff of his that floats around the old, the old tiki talk. And. Um, there's one recently, but I think I, I think I tried to post it, but it, it wouldn't go in for some reason. Peter Orborn is a, like a veteran uh, British political journalist, mm. isn't he? And this is a clip from Charlie Brooker's Newswipe from like over 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, maybe this is why I'm so cynical, because I was, I was watching this stuff back then. But anyway, we've got broken into three clips. Here's the first one, see what you think. When I went into political reporting 20, 15 years ago, I I thought that MPs went in to serve the public good. (laughs) (laughs) MPs went in to serve the public good? No. No. What I came to realise, the core thing which happened in the House of Commons was not opposition, but collusion. The, The MPs of rival parties have far more in common with each other than they have in common with ordinary members of the public, that in fact they are, to a large extent, engaged on a conspiracy against the public. I'll give you an example. When Did he just say the C word? Conspiracy. Oh, I, conspira- I thought conspiracies didn't happen. Swing the ban hammer. Yeah. Get off, get off TikTok, you crazy fool. <laughs> if you go back... 
When Jackie Smith was caught up in her expenses controversy a few weeks ago, which looked very odd to ordinary members of the public, when she went into the Home Office questions, the Home Secretary took questions, there wasn't a single question from the Tory opposition or from the Liberal Democrats about her very um, peculiar expenses arrangements. Do you remember what these peculiar expenses arrangements were? It's the Duck House nope. era. Yeah. Oh, it's that yeah, era, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the expenses scandals in 2009. Jackie Smith was Labour Home Secretary at the time. Right. And she got in a bit of trouble because she was putting adult movies on her expenses account. Oh, is this when she ended up... Did she have to divorce her husband or something? <laughs> they did end up divorced, mm. yeah. But basically, as yeah, she said, it was for her husband. Yeah. Um, adult movies going on her MPs, Member of Parliament's expenses account. That's what sort of blew it up. We're seeing now. <laughs> and that is because attacking either party on expenses issues is like using an area weapon, i.e. it's going to destroy or kill off uh, personnel on both sides. Labour now no longer would attack a Tory who's bent because there's too much at stake. Why crash the gravy train, man? I know. Stop harshing my fucking vibe. <laughs> We're on a good screw here. I know. That's What's, the... Is it 76 grand or 82 grand now? Yeah. Well, this What's is expenses. Yeah. This, yeah, this is the other thing. Is they've got the the um, that outside body now that reviews the pay structure, and they got that massive pay rise. And like we, I think we've said in the past, I mean, you probably should get like a pretty decent salary, shouldn't you, to be an MP? Well, it should be comparable to like um, a, a high school head teacher or mm -hmm. someone who runs a GP surgery. Yeah, that's no, what, yeah. I mean, it's less than what they earn, isn't it? Uh, yeah, what are, so. what's the secondary school head teacher on? One hundred and thirty, one hundred and fifty. Well, well if it's a big one, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I mean, there's loads of jobs in the council that are mm. one like, hundred grand, yeah, double that, mm. yeah. So yeah, but then then this is the other thing that that grinds my gears <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, they have this outside body now that sets the pay. Um, so, you know, they get like sweet pay rises all the time to match inflation or the rest of it. And that's not done for, you know, the NHS, teachers union, the police, basically anything, fire service. The only one that I saw, which seems to get it all the time, is um, London underground workers. <laughs> they get like w wicked pay rises because if they strike, that's it. The fucking capital's fucked, isn't it? So I was reading, because you know about all this stuff about the RMT are striking. They're going on strike soon, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and it said that the underground um, sort of union or whatever, that section of workers, had secured an 8.4% pay rise. <laughs> fair deal, fair dues. I, I know. Mean, that's what the, if you're, the, you know, the union rep, that's your job. Get the yeah. best you can out of them. I know, I know. But, you know, that's, you know, I suppose this is the thing, isn't it? It doesn't affect them if, you know, someone doesn't get paid a salary that kind of, you know, reflects inflation or whatever if they're a nurse because they're all probably, you know, treated privately anyway. Yeah, true. Right, let's uh, move on to clip two. <clears throat> if you go back a generation or two, people who came into the Commons, whether from the left or the right, the primary objective was to serve the country or to serve their voters, not to make money for themselves. What is new um, is that the majority of people now coming into Parliament 
have sought politics as a career since leaving universities. Now, this is something we've talked about mm. ad nauseum, isn't it? The PPE degree. Yeah. Uh, it's like ancient Rome, man. Yeah, you got to go through your three offices of state. You you climb the, uh, the what's it called, the cursus honorum. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, the, like the the ladder of power, mm. and every uh, each rung, you've got to cream it for as much as you can because this <laughs> is your chance. You get one year in this role, get as much power, money, and influence as possible. Yeah, get that nice, ooh, that nice. Juicy consulate at Syria, <laughs> you know, and just have a year there. Just milk all the taxes, and then you'll be living it up. About that was the uh, that was thing about sorry about the taxes as well was that the uh, the on my history of Rome podcast update. Um, Jude is just up in arms at the moment. Oh, is it? 70, is it the seventy AD revolt? Well, it's sixty nine. So it's the is oh, it the year of three? <laughs> it lasted a few financial years. year. But. Uh, they haven't been to they haven't been to um, destroy the temple yet. The year of four emperors. Yeah, yeah. So there we are. So Vespasian sends Titus to put it down, mm. which he does. Right. Spoilers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Spoilers from 1780. I've got a really great book on that revolt, if you, if you ever want to borrow it. No, it's really great. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually reading a novel at the moment. Oh, right. It's uh, pub, you could probably consider it pub fiction. Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> no, it's called The Thursday Murder Club. It's Richard Osman. Oh, Richard Osman, yeah. He's, I mean, everyone just creams himself over his books. Are they actually any good? I mean, you know, he's pretty meaningless tribe but it, you know he's entertaining <laughs> nonetheless oh well, that's fine yeah that's fine i suppose a murder mystery it's a bit like uh mm-hmm. true crime podcast yeah it's uh but funnier it's entertainment yeah right onwards and therefore what we see is the use of the house of commons use of mp's alliances the use of political connections as a way of make, making a huge sum of money. Very interesting to watch what happens to former ministers. Let's have a look at Tony Blair. You know, he's gone off to work for an, an American uh, investment bank. He earns millions of pounds of money uh, for that, giving a very high-level consultancy about how to link business and politics. John Major, Blair's predecessor, joined the Carlyle Group, a very, very secretive, little-known organisation linked to the Bush family. Uh, whose whole sort of raison d'etre is to to make make money out of government privatizations and contracts. What it does is to cast doubt about the real uh, integrity uh, and independence of the advice these these people are doing in office because the people they're dealing with in office then come and give them jobs, incredibly well-paid jobs, afterwards. I mean, the one thing to say, he's talking about politics and uh, industry. you gotta, you got to widen this out. It's not just politics, it's regulators. Mm-hmm. Look at the way the regulators in the vaccine, the vaccine industry, or the uh, pharmaceutical industry, rather, are intertwined, and they're revolving jobs. Mm-hmm. It's even worse in the States than it is here. It's every level of uh, industry and power politics. Mm-hmm. Civil servants as well, you know. Yeah. Goes <laughs> Get these uh, groups like, uh, what's the one? Um, the Welcome Trust. That's a good one to do a deep dive on. So uh, it used to be GlaxoSmithKline Welcome, and uh, the Mel- the Welcome Trust broke away from that, and it's a not-for-profit, <laughs> not I think. Mm. But, yeah, 
there's a, there's lots to be found out in these areas. That I'm not a great researcher or anything. I'm not an expert in any of this stuff. Mm. But uh, there are people out there who are. Throw us a link if you know a good podcast on like uh, yeah. the Welcome Trust, or uh, might be a good subject to cover. Someone who's good at these things, gifted in this area, which I'm not. No. Uh, like what was the uh, Carlisle group you mentioned yeah. there as well? It's like you need to talk to Charlie Robinson, someone like that about the Carlisle group. Mm. Who's done? Uh, who's put the the work in? Mm-hmm. Anyway, clip three, last one. The political class funds party political activity in a completely different way to the system which prevailed after World War II. Because parties can't go to mass members anymore, there is one way they can uh, use uh, fund money, is by basically using their access to the process of government and selling that to interested parties in the business world. You go to the annual conference of the governing party, it's much more like a corporate away day. I love that mm. analogy. It's all money. And uh, you think, you know, tinfoil hat wearers like me talk about the World Economic Forum. You think this doesn't operate exactly the same way? About paying for access, paying oh, to yeah. get to, the, mm. to Davos, paying mm. to be able to network with these shit bags. <laughs> it works exactly the same way, man. But, you know. I'm I've scared. heard that's uh, what makes the world go round. <laughs> What's, what's what makes the world go wrong? Ah, uh, yeah. I would say. Than a party conference. And so businessmen who want to acquire access to the prime minister can get it, but they have to pay for it. And you get the emergence of these rather sinister figures lauded in the press, never exposed, these uh, people who broker. They broker between big business and uh, and the politicians. Uh, and they, they fix deals. I'll name them. I don't know if you have the balls to put this on air. Um, I'm not bleeping that, by the way. No. That's it was... how it came. I would love to know the, the figures he is mentioned. Mm. Uh, just maybe two or three others in London do handle a lot of this business of brokering, normally or often secret or very private deals between uh, very senior and rich businessmen and their political clans. Mm. Mm. Was that, what, 2011, you said? 2009, I think, because he, he references, at one point he says, like, several weeks after the Jackie Smith's expenses uh, yes, scandal, yes. so that was in 2009. Got a message on the chat, haven't uh, some book recommendations from Nicholas, oh. uh, John Pilger and Mark Curtis to learn about Britain's collusive politics. I'd be interested in reading those. Mm. I will uh, search. I wonder if they're about, like, recent history, because that was the impression you get from listening to Peter Oborn's piece there, is that the uh, climate... <laughs> the, I was going to say the climate has changed. <laughs> <laughs> the political climate has changed. From from the post-war period and the fundraising, parties don't have mass uh, memberships anymore where, no. where they get the juice from every month. Mm. So that's why they've gone seeking money from industry mm. and selling, you know, we had the cash for questions scandal. We're having payments for access. You want a private lunch with the um, Secretary of Education? Well, yeah, it's got no a price thanks. tag. Mm. Let's put you in touch with Dave. Dave is the broker. The education secretary, we can make it happen. You want to wait, meet Pretty Patel in a McDonald's drive-through? 
Yeah, sounds Watch good. Cast. <laughs> Pretty the Barbarian. <laughs> probably that? like a ticket to the James Bond premiere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she needs to do research for, for matters of state security. <laughs> it's like, we all know it happens. It's like... <laughs> Fucking hell. That's the only sort of problem I have with uh, Mark Auburn's stuff. Is that he says that it, it all changed after the war. Like I said, it's been happening since uh, yeah, I don't the Roman Empire. The Punic War. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the Pubic War. The Battle <laughs> of Merkin. Ah. That's a callback. Um, I've got two more stories. I don't know if we should bother. It's half past ten. Jeez. Are you not entertained or what? Um, yeah, German city of Gottingen's pools to allow topless weekends weekend swimming. The German city of Gottingen will allow women to bathe topless at the public pool, becoming the first place in the country to enable female swimmers to go bare-breasted after a gender identity row. Oh. Oh, I see. I see what's going on. So is it like um, men who identify as female can go topless? No, would it not be... Women who identify as men can go topless, but it's, they've not transitioned yet. <laughs> yeah. So they've got bosoms. Men who identify as women can go topless. Men can go topless anyway. Men can go topless anyway. Is this yeah, but if you're a woman... If you're a woman, you can't, can you? You wear a bikini top. Yeah, but that's what I mean. If you identify as a woman, you're a woman, aren't you? Yeah, that's fine, but if you're a woman who so identifies as a you can't go topless, man, can you? You can go topless. Yeah. Well, I can, because I am a woman. Right, right. I am a man. Yeah. No, if you're a woman, you yeah. say, I can go topless. I identify as a man. Ah, and that's yes, the problem. Yes, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine yes. the cues of 12-year boys <laughs> to enter these swimming baths. Mm. Boobies. Uh, the, where's, the, where's the swimming bath? Uh, Lower Saxony. <laughs> the sports committee of the city in Lower Saxony has recommended that all swimmers at indoor and outdoor pools should be allowed to swim topless at weekends, starting May the 1st, a spokesman for the local authority said. The spokesman added that a test phase will be effective until August 31st. I think that's the need to sort of measure it, because, like, pool cleanliness is important, and they'll have to take, like, readings of the amount of semen... Mm. In, the, in the baths, won't they? It's just going to be full of young boys masturbating at boobies. Uh, I, Kapow! Spider-Man's everywhere. Uh, Why? Why do you always have to talk about young boys' semen? You know what I, I said? Let's do those two last stories. <laughs> Change my mind. <laughs> do you not think it will attract young boys? Um, boobies? I mean, this was like, this was a shoe in this story for TikTok, and now I can't put it anywhere. Why? Except on the internet. TikTok is the internet. Mm. This boob's on the internet. Yeah. The recommendation was made by the committee after a swimmer was asked to cover up at a local pool. Right. The swimmer protested, however, saying he identified as male. Ah, you see? Despite the assertion, the pool authority expelled the individual who was subsequently banned from the premises. Wow. The sportsman said. You're not a man! Get out! Expelled! Yeah. Do it in a German accent, though. Ich nice mich in London Said an accent that made up German. 
What's the text? Give me uh, <laughs> an individual. What's my motivation. All oh, right, I'm a pool boy. <laughs> you're I'm on my ladder. No, you're a leisure centre manager. Oh, <laughs> Gordon Brittas. <Yeah. laughs> German Gordon Brittas. Uh, I can't even find the quote. There wasn't even a quote. No. Uh, no, there wasn't a quote. No. I don't know. It's a crazy world. That just sounds this. like. An individual. I, I mean, they're just going to be women queuing up to swim topless. You see, I was talking to his brother about this, and don't the br- bikinis have a um, a practical purpose? Like stop them flapping about, like a sports bra. Yeah, my wife talks about that. Isn't it stop like queues of twelve year old boys? <laughs> a, a dual purpose, right. yeah. dual okay. practical purpose. Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, so like, I don't know because I don't have moves, <laughs> but. Calm down. Really? Uh, I, don't. <laughs> I don't. I think I might have lost a bit of weight. Zeus has lost a bit of weight. Has he? It's working, oh, yeah. Zeusy. The starvation diet is working. <laughs> oh, Just let him eat the bin and the odd pack of butter off the side. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Just a bit of... Chest feeding. Now and then. It's fine. Uh, All right. Um, should we do one more? Final story. I'm finally. Do it. Uh, should we talk about the gravestone, this gravestone in Iowa, which is, uh, has caused uproar this week? Many have found their final resting place in the Warren Power Cemetery in Polk County. Each tombstone reads something different, some even with hidden messages like this one for Stephen Paul Owens. His reads. Forever in our hearts, until we meet again, cherish memories known as our son, brother, father, papa, uncle, friend, and cousin. If you look a little bit closer at the first letter of each phrase, you'll see the stone reads F off, a phrase Owens' family members share he often said jokingly. It was definitely his term of endearment. Um, If he didn't like you, he didn't speak to you. A term of endearment? Mm. Um, It's just who he was. You easily riled up. Yeah. uh, It was always uh, kind of a... I don't know, a goal of some sort to get him to tell you to, <laughs> yeah. to do this. It's something his family did as a harmless way to remember him, and it's been called into question by the cemetery. Cemetery staff say they've been against the headstone from the beginning. They say the profanity has no place where loved ones are laid to rest for eternity. What's the fucking why? Surely it's up to the family. I mean, why does I, the authority have to get involved? This is. I always find this a bit confusing about America. It seems, you know, it's got the freedom of speech thing but then also this kind of thing at the same time I don't know you, you did an intake of, I thought you were going to say something then that hard uh, no. now the family is hoping they don't have to get rid of the gravestone while some may find it offensive the family says that wasn't their intention and they hope others can find humour in it it's forcing anyone to come out and look at it um, that's a choice that you make um, we didn't do it to offend anyone, to make mm-hmm. anyone mad, to hurt anyone's feelings. We did it because it was our father and we love him. And mm-hmm. um, that's the way we remember him. I mean, this is the other thing as well, isn't it? It's a joke at the end of the day. Yeah. It's a joke, isn't it? Yeah. I know it's an obscenity. And some people don't like obscenities, do they? But come on! And, you know, it's it's not like blazoned across the front in capital letters. It's the first line of each word. I mean, obviously yeah. it's there, but mm. a lot of people, I bet, would walk past and ne- never even notice. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just people wanting something to complain about. It's a Karen. Yeah, NIMBYs. Yeah, some wow. some NIMBY Karen yeah. from, from the uh, funeral home. Karen and Sharon's. Cemetery. Karen and who? Sharon's. 
Oh, is, is that name? I don't know. Sharon's. I, I think it might be. By Ariel Sharon. <laughs> He's not a day. Oh. Yeah. Right. Good. I'm entertained. I'm mildly yeah. entertained. It's quarter to 11. Are you not entertained? Very tired. It means I can be in bed for quarter past 11. Ooh. Wow. Uh, wow. I might listen to a little bit of The Hidden Life is Best tonight. Oh, yeah. There's a new episode out recently, I think. Um, you know. Robert Frederick's podcast. Yeah. Get on it. Yeah. It's fascinating. Shit, man. Um, or I might, you know, listen to a bit of History of Rome. Boy. Epic dub. Can't beat it. Very, very lovely. Yeah. Right, shall we fuck off into the night then or yeah. what? Yes, let's go. Praise Shabalon. I love you. Thank you for watching. Thank you. Epstein didn't kill himself. All hail Discordia. Do you want to come to a club where people we on each other? No. No. <laughs> Right, we'll see you next week with another fantastic guest. Yes. Join the Discord. To find out. Yes. Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. Right. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Party Central. You know, the whole thing is just mad. Put your teacher out of That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. They know what they're doing, Leia. Maybe they're, they're at the Yordic Center in Your York. CFO, who uh, dropped dead very unexpectedly.